hope in Christ. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart bring you closer to Jesus, your Savior. I think it goes without saying that any of us who garden or have ever gardened planted something that didn't grow, it didn't flower, or it didn't bear fruit. <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, my grandfather had a plum tree, and it just groaned under the weight of the plums. My grandmother would take them, make them into plum jelly, and it was great. One year in the spring, the plums started falling off the tree, or little, little things falling off the tree. They didn't even look like plums yet started falling off. Grandpa checked around and talked to a man down at the nursery and the man said the tree needed iron. It didn't have iron, enough iron in its nutrition or whatever. The best thing to do was first of all to rake up the ground a little bit under it, put some iron fertilizer, fertilizer with iron in it down there. That was the long-term fix and the short-term fix was to pound some nails into the trunk of the tree. We did that, and pretty soon the little plums started staying on the tree. So I guess we were a little bit better off than the man with the vineyard in Jesus' parable. But before we talk about that parable, let's talk about why Jesus told the parable. What was the reason for the parable in the first place? Some people had asked Jesus about a group of Galilean pilgrims who were murdered by Pilate. Actually, we have some history on that. It was a confrontation between Galilean pilgrims who walked all the way from Galilee. It was a long way. <coughs> it take the long way around. They brought their sheep with them for sacrifice at Jerusalem, and there was some altercation or confrontation with some Roman soldiers and these pilgrims, and their sheep all ended up murdered there. It was a mess, and people remembered it. Now, how could God let this happen to these people who were on their way to worship? That's the question that was asked. That's the real question. Now, let me point out a couple of other instances. Jesus mentions the people at the Tower of Siloam. Eighteen people were killed when the tower collapsed. Why? And we don't have an answer. And or more than we have an answer for the question that happened in the church I used to belong to, back in Tinley Park, burnt down on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, 1853. Why did the church burn down on Christmas Day of all days? But it did. Why did God permit that? We don't know. Because, of course, we can't see into the mind of God. But first century Jews tried hard to connect these kinds of tragedies with sin and just bad acting. I want to remind you of a little Bible story. Jesus and his disciples walking along they're just walking down the road, they come to an intersection, and they meet a blind fellow. <coughs> you remember the story, you might remember what were the first words out of the, out of the disciples' mouths. Who 
sinned that this man was born blind, him or his parents? What a question. Well, Jesus cured the man's blindness and told them that it was for God's glory, and everybody went on. Now, let's get back to the gardener. In the vineyard, the owner represents God. The fig tree represents us, you and me. Represents us. Man comes by his fig tree and he's waiting for it to have fruit and it doesn't. He comes again and he comes again. By the third year it should have been mature and had fruit. Comes year after year. God is also looking to us for the fruit of repentance. Fruit that humbly acknowledges yours and my sinfulness. Fruit that turns away from that sin and asks God to protect us. <coughs> now, let's, let's take a minute here and talk a little technical stuff. The Greek word used in the New Testament for repentance is pronounced metanoia. It's a compound word. In Greek, you can do that. You can just take two words and put them together and make a new word. Retains the meaning of both together. If you speak German, you might know the Germans sometimes do that. It rarely happens in English. But anyway, compound word, and it means be sorry and turn away from. You can't just be sorry for your sins. you got to turn away from them. You can't just turn away. You have to be sorry also. So that's what metanoia means. That's what Christ is talking about here. Now we know that not every plant bears ripened fruit. Like my grandfather's plum tree. Something goes wrong. Some trees never have fruit. Some trees lose their fruit before it's ripe. I want you to look around you here. See some empty seats in this sanctuary. Think of them as holes where God's plants have been pulled out. <coughs> Those seats are places where God planted someone in his vineyard. They were planted in Christ, in Christ's death, in the hope of his resurrection. Did you and I offer them some extra saving attention to get them to produce fruit? Did we dig around their roots? Did we put some fertilizer down? Did we offer extra protection? Or try to stay involved in their lives? Did we give them things they needed to remain or come or thrive? Fruit bearing, thriving, fruit bearing members of God's kingdom. Did we bring them the water of the gospel in the hope of bringing new life to their tired branches? Did we as a congregation give them everything they needed to become full, thriving members of God's kingdom and bear, have a fruit-bearing life? There's always hope because, as we see in today's text, the cross the tree of Jesus' innocent death now bears fruit of life for all who believe. That tree 
represented right up there, bears the fruit of life for all who believe. We are planted in the soil of God's vineyard, the church. We're planted in God's vineyard when we were saved in baptism. Let me re remind you what Paul says in Romans 6 regarding that. He wrote, Therefore we are buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have new life. If we've been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly be united with him in his resurrection. What a promise. United with him in his resurrection. God planted us so that we might mature and grow and bear fruit in his kingdom. <coughs> Unfortunately, some of those whom God planted did not bear fruit and left empty seats in the pews around you. Did we fail them by not digging around their roots and bringing them all they needed for life? Did we do that? As baptized believers planted in God's vineyard, it is our joyful privilege to share the promise with one another. Just as important, we need to accept such gospel help from one another. The day is coming, Jesus reminds us, when God will arrive looking for the fruit of repentance in your life. Luke 13, 7. Go home and read it for yourself. And he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? So, will God come in a few years from today as he came looking for some fruit in your life? And being a good-looking tree isn't enough. God, but God is also just. He looked for the right season for the fruit and to make sure the tree is mature. But sadly, sometimes there is no good fruit on the tree. Let's look at our other text for today. Text from Ezekiel. This is a chapter people should mark down and read it at least once a year. Ezekiel 33. Incredible chapter. Captives of Judah in Ezekiel's day were being righteous. They thought being righteous was good enough. But God warns them through the prophet Ezekiel. Therefore, son of man, say to your countrymen, the righteousness of the righteous man will not save him when he disobeys, and the wickedness of the wicked man will not cause him to fall when he, turn, well, when he turns from it. The righteous man will not be allowed to live because of his former righteousness. You can't put righteousness in the bank. You've got to keep on doing it. That's what God is telling us. The people asked Ezekiel, how can we live? The standard is too high. We don't even measure up to the not good enough of whom Ezekiel and Jesus speak. But God is on your side and wants you to flourish. God says, 
I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked man turn from his ways and live. Therefore, Jesus intervenes and intercedes on your behalf, doing everything possible to save you. Through the law, Jesus digs down around your roots to expose the sin, your sin. Through the gospel of forgiveness, in all of its forms, let me remind you the forms the gospel comes to you in. It comes in verbal form. It comes in written form. It comes in spoken form. It is poured out. It is drunk. It is eaten. Jesus provides spiritual growth and enables you to bear the fruit of repentance. Golgotha's dead tree bears the only life-giving fruit that is able to save you from being cut down. Today, the fruit from Golgotha's dead tree saves you. Let's go back to my grandfather's plum tree. We pounded nails into that tree and the fruit stayed on. They pounded nails into Jesus and he stayed on for your benefit. Today, Israel is given to you as an example. They were baptized in the Red Sea. Even that baptism will not save you if you refuse the other precious means by which God intends to keep your heart alive. God gives us many good ways to keep our hearts alive in Christ. He gives us his sacraments. He gives us his, his word. He gives us his church. <coughs> Garden where we are planted, watered, and fed. I want to cite a great example of coming to church. One you could file away. It's from Luke 4.16. Jesus went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day he went to the synagogue as was his custom. Jesus went to church on the Sabbath. Customarily. That means every Saturday. Now think about this. Jesus did not need to go to confess his sins. He didn't have any. He didn't need to go and hear the word of God. He was the word of God. He didn't need to go to escape from sin and evil in his life. Why did he go? He go went to participate with the saints regularly receiving God's saving word and sacraments. Escape from eternal judgment. Deliver you instead into eternal joys, the joy of life everlasting through forgiveness, through the life of righteousness offered through the means of grace. Let me wrap this up. Jesus himself does everything possible so that the baptized believers like you and me may bear the fruit of repentance and live. He gets his hands dirty. <coughs> he digs down beneath the topsoil, exposes the roots of your sin, he proclaims the law through the scriptures. And from the pulpit, Jesus lays bare your inmost soul so that he may apply that divine potting soil of the gospel his word of life alone is able to produce fruit acceptable to God. 
Now, some of you may eventually leave an empty space in the pew where you sit today. But for you who remain, Jesus' gift of word and sacrament bearing the fruit of humble repentance that trust in Jesus alone for salvation, for you, Jesus has made a way of escape from sin and the evil of life. By his glorious resurrection, he has opened for you the way to everlasting life. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting.